0: part twenty two of the fates of the princes of doverd by kenneth morris this librivox recording is in the public domain the story of rhiannon and pryderi the second branch of it called the three unusual arts of tyrinion and gurigwal and the freeing of the birds of rhiannon v the spell of the wood the field and the mountain and the freeing of adan fuinach at last it was midday between dawn and noon when goody landed and set forth to journey over sunlit hills and valleys of apple trees an orchard vaster than any in the world at that time and if faster more beautiful it was the peculiarity of the trees that they were adorned with clouds of bloom the white bloom and the pink and not only bloom but green young apples and furthermore ruddy golden fruit such as even the unhungry and ungluttonous would desire amidst them the linnet flitted perpetually and ouzels gifted with supernatural song and the thrush perched on the branches strewing penillion there would be lawns and valley bottoms beauteous with a million daffodils and beneath the trees flaming hosts of the crocus purple and white and saffron such beauty and delight have hardly been made known to the eye of man at any time on among the apple-bloom through the bird music the feather drifted shining and beauty and music increasing increasing with every step that he took following it when the sun was nearing the west of heaven he came to the edge of the orchard and looked down over a soft lawny valley not deep beyond it rose a palace glowing against the sunset that had the appearance of being built of the rose-pearl and the mellow topaz on the lawn before the palace were a hundred youths and a hundred maidens their laughter was without loudness or harshness their motions fairer than the motions of the swan upon the lake statelier than the motions of the crane in the marshland the least and worst of them was equal in grace and beauty to the best of the family of Gwynabnud who ride the night winds and the water-foam among the mountains and enjoy unbroken beauty and merriment until the day of doom with dignified courtesy they met him and greeted and praised him commenting upon the fame and noble lineage of the men of the island of the mighty and desiring it would please him to quit wandering and abide there with them in delight from that out they led him towards the door of the palace for the feast will be prepared said they at the door as he was going in with them the feather of aden fuinach lighted down in his breast and he knew that the bird herself would be within richer and more beautiful was everything that he saw there than anything he had attained seeing until then never should the foot fall upon the flagstone by reason not of strewn rushes but of rich skins of the bear and the beaver of beautiful skins from the east and west of the world never should the eye behold the wall by reason of armour carven of the amethyst and the diamond and of priceless hangings of silk and taffeta adorned with stories of Kaigant, gwynford and abred the three circles of the world on the dais at the head of the hall the king of Kerheth was enthroned his throne was of sun-kindled amethyst and the mere setting eyes on it was equal in satisfaction to having seven ships of wealth and merchandise in the harbour after their wandering the wide waters and meeting with neither harm nor loss on his head was a crown with nine proud acorns of polished diamond in it the least of which for pure beauty was beyond the evening or the morning star there was more satisfaction in looking at the crown in winning seven victories over war-wise sovereigns as for the king himself there was no one in the hall that was the equal of him or nearly the equal of him either for an aspect of serene dignity or for handsomeness of visage or for the knowledge of weaving spells or for the power and peril of them when they were woven here is the likeness of him so far as it may be given his hair and beard were long and curling and yellower than the outer petals on the bloom of the daffodil his voice was more harmonious and of sweeter modulation than the coo and croon and rippling murmur of a runlet amid the rushes in a peaty field on the mountain his dark and starry eyes were now bright with a laughter beyond sound now far and dimly glimmering with quietude and dreams of arcane magical beauty but if it should be thought that there was a cage above his throne and Fuinach imprisoned in it false that thought would be for there was no cage there the whole hall was melodious with bird music as if there were a thousand and such as she there and indeed unnumbered twinkling jewel luminous birds were flitting and sweeping and gleaming among the rafters keeping alive their rich harmonious dream-wild confluence of sounds continually they were all of them equal in beauty to the birds of rhiannon no one would have known if Muinach were among them or not the greeting of the god and man to the king of keir said guri the best of greetings and the kindliest of welcomes to you also said the king as long as you remain in the keir there shall be courtesy and entertainment feasting and music for you and when the gifts are given to the guests in the morning, they shall be in your hands at the beginning, and neither on the third day nor in the third year will it be asked of you to make known the nature of your quest. May it be requited to you for this courtesy," said Goody. "Less than fitting would it be were I not to make it known to you now. I come here as an ambassador from Tubai, the daughter of Hugh, from the well at Clam Dubai, in quest of Aden Fuinach, the bird of Rhiannon her music is the passing of the heart from its bondage the fulfilment of the ultimate concerns of the soul and therefore it is an ill thing for the island of the mighty to be without her there are a thousand birds whose music is that and more than that said the king we have never heard even a rumour of Adenfuinach. it is the place where falsehood is spoken thought goody thereupon they sat down to meet let the place of the king's heir of Cairhead be given to this chieftain of the kumri said the king let every one that opens and shuts the eye and every one that beholds the light show him respect and serve him let not collops cooked and peppered be lacking to him the feasting went forward and guri in the place of the king's heir opposite to the king neither among the foster-sons of tyranny on tur nor in the court of the crowned king in london when the chief bards and princes of the island of the mighty were gathered there neither in europe nor in africa nor in the islands of corsica had he seen food of such delicate aspect so well served in such beautiful food vessels always during the feasting and conversation the birds amidst the rafters strewed forth their low sweet harmonious utterance neither so loud as to break across the spoken word or the laughter nor so quiet as not to come between those and silence and adorn every one of them with such adornment as the foxglove has from the mountain hedgerow or the green shore-wave from the gleaming sand before and the glittering unstable purple running blueness behind it or the turquoise stones of asia from their place in the bronze brooch of a war-loving king the song of the blackbird at dawn-time from the motions of the breeze amid the sun-dappled leafage in the green and wild-wood palaces of may the king of kerhedh looked at guri and saw that he left the best of the food untouched that was vexation to the king by reason of the magical subtleties in the food whoever might eat it it would cause forgetfulness in him of the places where he had played in his boyhood and of the faces that had been about him in the world what troubles the mind of the foster-son of tyrinion said he what troubles the mind of the prince from iniswen the most delicate food is as little desirable to you as chaff and stubble from the fields of september after the harvest excellent it is truly said good igual there will hardly be the equal of it in the island of the mighty much less in the rest of the world even the scent of it would be contentment for the hungry thinking and considering i was not accusing the food unless the thoughts were made known to us we should deem that the food was unpleasing to you then guri began to prepare in his mind the spell of the three places first he mused upon the secrecies of the wood of mon where mathfab mathunwi engages in enchantment for the purification of the world he thought of the bluebells there that are endowed with supernal deep thought by the immortals and their ponderings maintain the science of the holy ovates of the corseve. by reason of his possessing the spell of the wood the field and the mountain he was able to let loose about him with a word the whole power of their meditations and to put compulsion with it upon things animate and inanimate and to ward off spells and harm last october i travelled in the north said he the leaves of the oaks were falling and blown hither and yonder along the floor of the forest drifting and whispering on the wind it was in my mind to cogitate and muse upon the learning i heard from them until i obtain knowledge of the meaning of it i shall take little pleasure in food it might well be that we could give you the knowledge said the king make known to us where you were travelling when you heard them by the wood of mon said goody by the wood of mon with that word a sigh passed through the hall softer and sadder than the whispering of the west wind through the dry reeds and the sand hills of Tyvy on the first evening of autumn when the sun is going down behind rain-gray clouds over island let the food be taken away said the king let drinking horns be brought adorned with silver and opals and mead in goblets of crystal and pearl they brought them the foam on the mead in the hurlas and the goblet was whiter and brighter than the foam on the ninth wave when it rises against the black rocks of gubert and breaks against them and shakes out its long white glimmering mane against the blackness the mead was of the colour of the sunlight through topaz and amber there was a sound in it like the murmur of bees through the lime groves and orchards and a scent of all the flowers in the world of heather and roses of apple-bloom and daffodils and pansies if there were potent spells in the food ten times more potent and subtle were the enchantments in the drink there was peril for the mighty the careful the well-governed in every drop that shone in the wonderfully carven jewel-adorned goblets and hurless horns for what reason is this abstinence on the lord of the brython said the king of caerhead the mead in the hurlus was brewed from honey nine times sweeter than the honey of the virgin swarm in the heatherlands of the island of the mighty and there was neither scum nor bees in it the mead has this peculiarity that whoever drinks even a little of it dreams what he desires to dream and remembers what he desires to remember and is made certain of the attainment of whatever he may seek excellent is the mead truly said goody tyrine only fools would accuse it the sight and the scent of it alone would be the multiplying of thirst and the quenching of the thirst they multiplied it was thought that it had overtaken me thought and cogitation then he prepared the second power of the spell musing upon the secrecies of the field at clandubai and the golden king-cups that grow there, endowed by a company of immortals with a spirit of swift, shining, and certain wisdom, so that by their mere blossoming they breathe out spiritual delight upon the air, and maintain the inspiration of the bards of the holy Gorseth. Yes, indeed, I was troubled by cogitation and inquiry into secret things, said he. Alas! said the king of Kerheath, Unless we know the matter of the cogitations, we shall deem that it is an accusation against the mead. I will make it known for your satisfaction, said Goody. A week ago I was travelling in the south, and I came by a place where the bees were raising song and monody among the marsh marigolds. The weight of the news I heard from them was brought to my mind by the scent of mead. Until I obtain knowledge of the meaning of it, I shall get no delight out of drinking it might well be that we could give you the knowledge said the king by what place were you travelling in the south by the field of clan said he by the wood and the field hardly were the words out of his mouth when a sigh passed through the hall softer and sadder than the rustling of yellow leaves and the dropping of mist drops from them in the evening when the wildwood is all a pale and ghostly flame in october and the mists over the mountains and valleys of the world let the mead be taken away said the king of Kerheth sorrowfully then the chief bard of the ker stood forth and began to relate a story such was the nature of its assonance and consonance and its perfection of melodious sound and its clarity in the depiction of heroic men and actions and marvellous places that even the stories of Ol the son of Olwith and Clust Fabklust Fineth and Drem the son of dremidid seemed dull and worthless in its comparison. When he had made an end of it, the king of Kerheth said, For what reason is this abstraction and lack of delight in hearing stories on the king's son from the island of the mighty? By relating tales such as this, the bards maintain bloom and fruitage on a million trees and spread on fading beauty over the seven cantrefs of ker heath yet it was no better with you hearing it than would be hearing a crow calling among the yellow elms on an autumn morning or the voice of the corncrake in the valley on the night of the full moon of the hay harvest wonderful was the story truly said guri gwaltairin better would not be told in the island of the mighty or in ireland much less in the rest of the world Considering and meditating, I was not accusing the story, the cogitations of my own mind had overtaken me. Then he began preparing the last power of the spell. he remembered the withfer mountain, the summit of the world, the house of Hugh Gadar. He bethought himself of the snow on the peak of the Withfer and the pure nature of it, and the endowment it had of spiritual might from the immortals, whereby is enhanced the spirituality in the hearts of the holy druids of the sacred circle owing to his possession of the spell of the three places he was enabled to speak as if it were from the withfa and to wield the lonely and lofty power alas that we know not the matter of the cogitations said the king i will tell you said guri last year when i travelled in Arfon, although there was snow i heard an oozel singing what with the blackness of his wing and the whiteness of the snow and the mysterious nature of the learning in the verses of the song, I have had little freedom from cogitation from that time until now, and until I learn the meaning of them, I shall get no satisfaction either out of song or story. Unless we knew the place where you heard the oozel, we could not interpret it for you," said the king. "By what place were you riding? By the Withfer Mountain." said goody by the wood the field and the mountain with the utterance of the words of the spell and their regally leaping from between his teeth and driving their glory and stern resonance through the hall the magic of the king withered and the music of the birds amid the rafters was hushed and a sigh went through keir sadder than the cheeping of the robin in december when there is no gleam in the greyness of heaven and no dry place on earth for the foot of man care and lack of ease took the mind of the king unknown to him until then was the failure of his spells wonderful is the might of this druid taught youth from the island of hugh gadarn thought he then he betook himself to considering whether there would be any means of overcoming and putting spells on him unless it would be through delight and forgetfulness coming upon him with the wheel of his own speech and song, there will be no means, thought he. Will it please you to give us full news of what you heard from the leaves and from the bees and from the oozel? said the king. It is well known to us that there are no songs in the world to equal the songs of the Qumri, and no stories comparable to the stories of the island of Britain. If I had a harp I would sing them, Said goody gwaltairene they are not of a nature to be related except in song thereupon they brought a harp and set it before him and he began to get music out of it and made these verses and sang them to the music the fall of the leaves in the woods of the world and the heart in me grieves where they drift and are whirled for the silence of her in the springtime whose wings are enrainbowed enpearled and where is the might in the limbs of the tree and his dreams of delight and imaginings free it's he longs for thy songs aden fuinach shaken out o'er the hills and the sea for the three pearls of singing were lost from the land they were fairies far winging the winds that were fanned by the fall of their wings were enroiled by what craft were ye stolen by what hand shall i multiply words without ending the wrong from the midst of the birds that have held thee so long by the wood that thou knowest o Muinach? come princess of beauty and song when he had sung as much as that he looked up and saw that the birds had lighted down where they might among the rafters and covered their heads with their wings all but one of them and she the most beautiful of all and her plumage like the rainbow Like the clouds of sunset and dawn, she had been songless and hidden during the whole time of the feast, but now she was circling through the air uneasily and fluttering to and fro there. Now I will sing to you the news I had from the bees at clandubai, said he. Then he made these verses and sang them There's a field mid the mountains, and streams have their rise there in the diamond of fountains, spell hidden from men's eyes there and the bees in the cuckoo flowers heed it and ponder and dream and grow wise there and i heeded much yearning their murmur and croon and the drift of their learning a wandering tune and here's what i heard at Unfuinach by the fountain of tubai in june there was one without rest from her beating of wings in a silence unblessed in a palace of kings that had stirred not from sloth since the three shouts woke life in the voidness of things but westward and westward ere this she is winging and a queen turneth restward heart healed by her singing for war amidst peace done enspelled her heed thou too this gift of my bringing this gift of small words wherein all powers abound so that stars seas and birds must submit to their sound and rivers and islands and forests yea. And a man and his steed and his hound, and is there no lurement in this then for thee was the white-winged, the pure, meant in loneness to be by the wood and the field of the fountain, O Muach, thou too shalt be free when he had sung as much as that, the bird that had been silent slanted down suddenly through the air and lighted on the helmet of a group of armour that hung high on the wall above the king's throne no one heeded her except goody and that by reason of the magic he had been slowly weaving about them with his song and with the first two words of the spell and with the rich heroic glory of his voice in the singing and with his unequalled bardic skill with the harp now i will sing you what i heard from the blackbird of the withfor mountain said he and with that went to the harping again and made these verses and sang them there is a mountain in wales where an oozel is biding and i heeded the tales from his bill that came gliding that so i might pierce the enchantment and find thee in thy fairyland hiding twas of one that was cumbered by dreams without light in oblivion she slumbered the long barren night till with peace amidst war for a weapon i gave back the sun to her sight yea their bonds are outworn thy bright sisters are free they may wing through the morn they may sing o'er the sea wilt thou leave them to droop in the sunlight with sadness of mourning for thee for the sake of the queen in whose service of old ye went dazzling in sheen of dawn glory and gold by the wood and the field and the mountain ah come forth glamour ensouled with that remembrance burst onto Aden-Fuinach. The beauty of the hall and the lawn-lands seemed to her to be nothing. The birds that had been her companions since she was stolen were no better to her than a flock of starlings on a morning in April. Their music that had enchanted and put shame and silence and dreams of pleasure on her during all those years seemed only the loud converse of starlings when they may be chattering and quarrelling over the things that concern them. She bowed her beautiful, crowned head beneath her wing, sorrow and remorse were upon her. She had much delight she remembered in the place of her enchantment, and no memories of riannon her lady, that was by reason of the spells that had been put upon her, and their being ten times stronger than the enchantments of adenlanach Lanach and Aden Lonach. As for the men of Khirheth, they were beyond heeding her. power and magic had faded from them. They only remembered the ages of the world and the toil of the gods, and their own life without warfare or labour. Glory they had never earned. Time was taking from them the semblance of it that they had cherished. But as for Goody himself, he did not stay in his singing. The great power of song had come upon him. The wheel of the bards was filling his soul, as the wind fills and drives the sails of a ship. He saw that Adan Fuinach had awakened from her dreams. He saw her bow her crowned head. He knew that in a little while song would come to her, and she would go forth singing before him. He sang these verses to restore her. For I saw in my dreams in the halls of her sire, one crowned with sunbeams and engirdled with fire. She was brighter than dawn is in summer, more lovely than dawn her attire. And I saw her again. Where high pity had brought her, she was compassed with pain, she a goddess's daughter. And wilt thou not come, Adon Fuinach, to make end of the wrong that was wrought her? Was she queen of the world or the realms of the air? Where the sea foam is whirled, was her sovereignty there, and what might was enkindled against her that her world was made barren and bare? Speak, thou hast thou known? Is it given thee to know? what so dimly was shown when my dreams were aglow by the wood and the field and the mountain oh sing thou the end of her woe thereupon the beautiful wings of aden fuinach were spread and beat down on the air beneath her and she rose in her glory singing her song was incomparable true was that saying that it would be the passing of the heart from its bondage the fulfilment of the ultimate concerns of the soul. 'twas seven times more melodious than the singing either of Lanach or Lonach. As she sang, here is what happened. The men of Kerheth rose up, and their king with them. They remembered the dawn of the world, when the blessed ones went forth from Gwynfodd, and they went not forth with them. They remembered that they had chosen delight then now their delight was withered but adan fuinach sang and sang then there rose up a star and purple brilliance in the far part of the hall it was a god the harp in his hands was brighter than the sun guri heard him sing this verse to the men of kerhedh o ye that not stirred when ye heard our hayaton when first the dark world of abred we trod When for war would attire the flame plumes we wrapped on, and chaos caught fire with the radiance of God, will ye dream here in peace while the death fumes encumber your brethren that went forth of old time and fell? Shall ye sweep not in aid to those stars dimmed in slumber, those heroes enchained in oblivion and hell? And he heard the men of Kerheth answer him with this one.
1: O bright one,
0: flame-plumed, what fate hath o'erborne them? What dark power hath doomed them, this slumber raw chains? They were brave, though they heard not our wise words who warned them. Ah, say not the glow of their sun-brightness wanes. Ah, we too, that sought not high and surrender, that quested no perilous heaven for our hold. We too have seen away our old cherished splendour, delight hath turned pain and the whole world grown cold and he heard these verses again from the beautiful immortal they rode forth from bliss in the world's golden morning when the lone bardic stars sang hymns in their praise the insignia of gods were their proud brows adorning the waste of night glowed as they passed on their ways what though while through hell's self their war way they winged on in ages oblivion o'erladen they fell it was gwynford they deemed too inglorious a kingdom it was they that made choice to build new heavens in hell there be some that o'ercome when the deep rose to slay them and flame against flame waged high war with night leagued chaos and hell without might to dismay them nor subtly wrought spell that might dim their proud sight the ranks of the warrior gods shine with their glory they turn from delight to their stern age-long war lest the brightness at heart of the ages grow hoary and the spirit sun rise o'er the world's brink no more and again the men of kerheath the gods without toil answered him our peace hath grown old like a flower past its bloom time and one rimmed and cold hath fallen low on the ground and we gird us with swords and go forth to our doom time to free them that fell or ourselves to lie bound ah ye on whose dark brows long pain and compassion have kindled sad splendours of star flame to crown we the pure ones unstained with the long moil of a passion To your Godhood, war-worn and war-glorious, bow down. End of part 22